I'm a lifelong meditator. The one thing I would tell you is don't judge your meditation. Just you're, you're putting way too much emphasis on your meditation and how you're meditating. If you can just take a deep breath and just calm your body, that's mm. meditation. Okay. And meditation is yoga. So we're looking for that union, that union with our own self, the divine, and that pure consciousness. That was from my conversation with medium, intuitive, astrologer, and Reiki master healer, Annie Larson. This is the Walk Show Podcast with your host, Walker Near. I had a really great conversation with Annie, who is a teacher, speaker, and guide helping people navigate all sorts of circumstances. Annie shares stories from her career, her personal experiences, and insights into meditation, yoga, and spirituality. Let's explore the walk of life with Annie Larson. Thank you, of course, to Misha Zarens for today's music. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Annie Larson, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really excited to have you. I've had a few folks that are not, they don't do exactly what you do, um, but are maybe related loosely in, in some ways. Like I had a, a girl who's a Reiki practitioner on uh, in early 2020, uh, but she was pretty pretty new into that field. So I don't think the breadth of experience that you've had with it um, but yeah, really interested to, to jump into it. So, uh, you know, on your website, mediumannielarson.com, which we'll have links in the, the show notes for that, for people to just access it directly. Um, but you're a, a medium, an intuitive, an astrologer, and then a, a Reiki master healer. So just to, to kind of make sure everyone's on the same page, I'm going to just kind of ask you about those different, those different topics and, and see what we what what they are so can you explain and i think i have an idea but just explain for the audience what is a medium so a medium is somebody who is going to co connect with your loved ones on the other side and then deliver messages and information to you that's why it's called a medium we're the go-between in between the spirit world and people living on earth you know people who um are here Gotcha. And so when you talk about all the things that I do, I believe everything's related. So pretty much everything that I do has to do with life purpose and why we're here and healing. Mm. Well, that, yeah, that's, that's a, a pretty awesome, <laughs> awesome common thread between those things. Um, so, you know, with, with the, the medium work specifically, I guess, then, are you typically dealing with people who are, are grieving the, the loss of, of a loved one like recently or does it can it be from, from any time in their life that this loved one maybe has, has passed away? It really runs the gambit of somebody who passes may have passed a week ago to all the way to somebody who passed 30, 40 years ago. And mm -hmm. typically I know I, you get a sense of when somebody has passed. I normally don't like to read somebody who passed a week ago. I believe that we should really go through a grieving process ourselves because I think it's just probably too painful. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't want clients clinging to me for messages, you know, that constant conversation and stuff. So 
with a loss there, I think there has to be a period where they grieve. And I always say it's probably good six, nine months out when you've processed and spirit processes too. They have their journey on their uh, on the other side. I don't know what it is. I don't know much about that, but I do know there's, they go somewhere, they do things. And so I think they need to be ready to come through too. Mm. Now it doesn't say that I haven't had people who passed a month ago who they come, as I say, come through the veil. They do come through. I think it just all depends. But as kind of a litmus, I tell people six, nine months is good for you and good for spirit. Because I do believe that communication that I am the medium for is healing on both sides. I think it's Mm. healing for the grieving person here. And it's also healing for spirit on the other side, especially when they when they deliver messages that um, you know maybe they didn't live their life right or maybe they you know hurt the person or maybe they wanted to tell them something very important maybe something coming up in their life mm. yeah that's interesting you know I had a, a lady on recently who is a um, a paranormal investigator mm-hmm. and I was talking to her about what kinds of reasons she encounters that, that maybe, you know, a, a, I don't, I don't want to use the wrong language, but I'll just say a spirit. And I, again, that may be the wrong term. Well, I think um, that's great. Spirits, okay. spirits are good overall. You hear me say spirit just as a general spirit. Sure. Okay. So, yeah. So why a spirit might be lingering in a location. And, and one of the things she said was, you know, and she gave a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons was kind of an unfinished business on the behalf of the deceased. Um, so do you, do you find, I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, are you ever working with people who are having some sort of paranormal experience and then by helping the facilitate the communication, you're able to a bring peace, you know, not to overuse the words, but spiritually, maybe mentally, but then maybe also alleviate that paranormal experience or is that outside the, the realm of, of what you're dealing with? No, I do an awful lot of that. And in fact, mm. um, especially when I was younger, that was the main things that I was doing in my 20s was going into people's homes that were having activity. And what better than to bring a medium in to say, well, you know, Tommy's in the corner, Mm -hmm. (laughs) really unhappy. Um, I know that paranormal investigators use all kinds of equipment. The only piece of equipment I use is my camera because spirit tends to show up in my camera. So that's my only piece of equipment. And then me as the medium, I'll go in and get a sense of what's going on there. My own soul's purpose, I I don't believe it's my job to um, cross people over, you know, to tell them to move on. As I always say, when I go into a house, it's kind of like last call at the bar you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> right. It's kind of how I talk to spirit. And it's like, okay, well, you're scaring everyone. A lot of times, too, it's related to them. It's a relative of theirs. And they're scaring them. And I'm like, well, you probably don't have much to be afraid of here. Because I get a sense of, you know, it's your husband or it's your um, loved one, your grandma, whatever. So I, I do think it's interesting. It's not my life's goal or my my soul's purpose to move people on uh, in spirit. I think that's kind of like we have free will on earth. I think there's free will in spirit too. And it's not my job to tell them where to go. So sure. I always use last call. You yeah. don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> no, I like that. That makes sense. Um, so 
you know, another another title that that I had listed out is is intuitive. And again, I think I have an impression, but I don't want to muddy the water. So can you explain what that what that word means in this context? Well, we all have intuition. It's kind of that knowing you may get a feeling, a sense, a chill. You have intuition. You probably have followed your intuition. You don't know why you're doing something. You're just kind of being led somewhere and being told. So um, we all have intuition. When we start getting information for other people, that's when we really start getting into that psychic realm, you know, getting information for others. I, I have backed away from psychic a little bit because I think it has some negative connotations people think that a psychic is a fortune teller mm-hmm. we can predict the future and you know as as i always say we get we might get a sense of the future we might get a sense of something coming and i always compare it to um my best friend when i was growing up her mother was from north north dakota that woman could smell snow so whenever there was a forecast, when we were kids, we'd run to her mom to say, is it going to snow? How much is it going to snow? And she would tell us she had that ability, I think, because she was around snow so much. So she would have an, you know, a sense or a feeling of what was coming. And it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So I have, and I think this is probably the same thing, um, or at least related to it, but like I have a friend who goes and, and she works with a, I don't know what his title is. I, don't, I mean, I, I think of him as a doctor, but I don't actually know if he's a doctor, but whatever, these two people I know <laughs> work together and we'll just say, and, and what they do though, in this, in these sessions that they have is, and the way at least they explain it to me is, is that they're, they're effectively asking questions to, and the way they explain to me is the universe but asking questions to the universe on behalf of the other party and then and then using the other parties like the other party will have like a physical response that will indicate yes or no but the, the party who's giving the physical response doesn't know what the question was right so that's how they're kind of trying to to scientifically vet it out if you will to you know make it blind so there's not a bias there um but it, it's that kind of thing where it's it, to, uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because to your point, it, it's not really about fortune telling as much as it's about trying to tap into some sort of, again, intuition is the word, I guess, but some sort of, I don't know, answer. Matrix. I think I can help you out. <laughs> yeah, please. Here. Thank you. <laughs> One, what they're doing is muscle testing. So okay. is it for you? And there's and, and I actually teach that kind of stuff about muscle testing for ourselves because that is an intuitive way to figure something out. Now, what do we tap into? It's really interesting. I get asked that question a lot, especially from clients. Like, how are you getting this information? I'll give an example from a reading today. So it, it, it actually is a client who's had readings with me before. So she knows my process and stuff. She knows how I, I read. And um, I told her about that her, uh, her boyfriend was coming back. And I said, uh, I have a sense that you're going out to celebrate. You have a maroon dress. It's, I said red at first. And I said, no, I think it's maroon. It's a darker color. But you have a maroon dress that I think you're going to wear out. So I just get this sense this strong sense. And so she's thinking and she's like, I just can't. And then boom, she said, you know what? When the pandemic hit, she had bought this maroon dress that she put in her closet, you know, as an impulse buy, forgotten Mm -hmm. she had it. And then this past week she pulled it out 
and was looking at it and said, oh, I'm going to wear this when we go out. And I said, you're celebrating. Well, her birthday's coming up. So when her boyfriend comes back, they're going to go out and celebrate. And she had planned to wear this dress. So for me, that's what I call tapping in Mm -hmm. that, you know, what a crazy thing to tap into, too you know, to get that image, like who would care about a dress or whatever, but it's just kind of how the information comes. So when I look at when people ask me, how do you get that information? Well, one, I think our energy, we put out in our aura information, and it's just right for the picking for an intuitive like me, you know, it's just kind of sitting there. So she had spent two days ago, she was with this dress, pulled it out, that had an impression on her. And it imprinted into her aura for me to go, oh, there it is. Okay. You know, and I call that tapping in. The other thing I think that that people who do this type of work do is we tap into the collective consciousness. Mm. So there is that, you know, big ball of energy and collective consciousness that I think allows us to go in. So my husband and I were talking about this um, today, and he said, you know, are you mind reading? Are you, because he's always trying to understand. And I said, you know, maybe there is a sense of mind reading in that I'm tapping into the collective conscious for which my clients are part of. Mm. So I can pick up from there, the collective consciousness out there. And then finally, I think the way that we get information is actually from spirit. So I had, um, I did a reading and I had a grandmother who came through who who had passed in the past year and my client wanted to know, were they happy with the wishes, you know, with the reading of the will and disbursement and stuff. And I said, yes, I said, you have daughter, correct? And she's like, I do. And I said, grandmother wants you to know how happy she is that she got the desk and it was a kid's desk Mm. for her daughter. And so The information was coming from the grandmother to my client. She's like, oh, my God, she did. She got my grandmother's child's desk. She inherited that. So that's where you can get all this information. So spirit can give it to you. Collective collective consciousness can give it to you. And also your aura, the energy that you're putting out there. Yeah, well, so... I, I'm, I have so many different directions I want to go, so I'm just going to have to pick one. But so something I was reading um, again on your on your website um, is that that you had had gone on a, a spiritual journey through India and Nepal that was kind of brought on by your your lifelong love of meditation and yoga. Yeah, and I'm very very elementary with all of that stuff. I, I went to a yoga class once, but. It, I mean, I, I went for eight weeks, but I didn't go back after that. Um, I do, I do meditate, although primarily the meditation I do is, is mindfulness meditation, just, you know, kind of paying attention to my breath. Um, although literally just yesterday, I think I started listening to this audio book called the power of letting go. And in that he's talking a lot about different kinds of meditation and, but, but a thing that he consistently he being the, the narrator of the audiobook, I don't even know if it's a man that actually wrote the audiobook originally, <laughs> but whatever. Um, he, he's talking a lot about, again, you know, the book is called The Power of Letting Go. So it's a lot about emptying the mind. And it's a lot about, there's a lot of, of ideas about the word you just used, which is this idea of just pure consciousness and how yeah. 
there's this space that's not intruded by by thought. And you know, with mindfulness meditation that I've done myself, I I I don't know that I've ever gotten to a point where I have let's say 10 or 20 minutes or something of just pure unadulterated, you know, experience of just consciousness. I can get to a space for, you know, a brief period where I'm not having constant thoughts, but then pretty quickly it, you know, they return and then I'm back to trying to <laughs> focus on my breath again and, and that sort of thing. But, but so the reason I explain all of this is just that I think that, and I'm, you know, really, I'm probably just talking for myself, yoga, meditation, those are all things that, you know, I live in Springfield, Missouri, right? Anywhere, any town, USA and yoga and meditation are things that are very commonly practiced even somewhere like here. But I think things like, like uh, medium or the intuitive work or Reiki, that kind of stuff to, to, I, I will say a lot of people, but I'll even say myself always seemed like more fringe than yoga or meditation. But then when I read, you know, about your own experience and then tied that to the, this book I've been listening to, it seems like they might be a lot more intertwined than maybe I understood. So I know I've just explained things for a long time, but please, can you explain how those things are all intertwined and how yoga and meditation led you um, to these things? So I'm, I'm a lifelong meditator. The one thing I would tell you is don't judge your meditation. Just you're, you're putting way too much emphasis on your meditation and how you're meditating. If you can just take a deep breath and just calm your body, that's mm. meditation. Okay. And meditation is yoga. So we're looking for that union, that union with our own self, the divine, and that pure consciousness. And I think I've been a medium all my life. I've been this way. And it's it's been odd throughout my life of people accepting, not accepting. When I was young, sometimes it was very difficult. I think what led me to yoga was that what I do, you know, tapping into the collective consciousness and psychic and stuff is expected of a yogi and mm. also levitation and some other things. I'm still working on the levitation part. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But if you read books like, you know, Autobiography of a Yogi and by Prahamsa Yogananda, you'll start understanding we're expected to be psychic in yoga. That's part of it, you know, to, to tap into that collective consciousness and to become pure consciousness. But in yoga, you don't use it the way that I'm using it, where I'm actually reading for people and, mm -hmm. and doing things like that. But I think that's why everything that I do relates to each other. Um, when I'm around yogis, what I love is... I'm like, I'm not special. There's nothing special about what I do. They fully accept me. I've never been rejected by true yogis. And I'm not talking about going into a yoga studio and doing exercise yoga. I'm talking about true yoga, where it's all about, you know, tapping in. And, you know, the, the asana, that practice that we do, we remove our body is to quiet our mind so we can sit and meditate for hours. So mm. our body's not twitching and stuff. And sometimes doing that asana practice can actually be the meditation. So I hope you give it another shot <laughs> for yoga, even sure. if you need to find online where you can find maybe some some more authentic yoga. And I, I don't want to say that yours isn't authentic, but when people, I wish that they would do Western exercise yoga and then 
the Eastern philosophy of yoga and stuff. Because there's there's a lot of judgment that I found in the United States about yoga, about, you know, the yoga body and what we're supposed to look like and what we're, you know, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, I definitely, the, the, the studio I went to, I mean, really the reason that it was something that didn't really resonate with me was, um, and I, you know, obviously I'm not naming names or anything, but I will still right. say they were very nice people. And I think they had, you know, wonderful people, wonderful studio, but it just kind of felt pretentious. Like it just, like, I remember looking out the window and there's like a little park across the street and I was like, <laughs> like, who am I right now? Like, where, where am I at? So I'm totally not doing the practice of, <laughs> of, you know, meditating or anything like that. I'm, I'm very much considering and analyzing my surroundings and it just all felt kind of bizarre you know maybe uh, it's just preparing you for because maybe it's not so comfortable for you mm -hmm. and i think we maybe need to baby stuff into it and to not bring judgment mm -hmm. you, know, you may may have brought some human judgment we're all human mm -hmm. and um it probably is weird for you yes and then with meditation so you know, one of the ways that I teach mediums to tap in is through the use of meditation and breath. So being able to relinquish part of my mind, my consciousness to spirit is the only way that I can really read. Mm. So that meditation is can be very important uh, to tap in. Because so the meditation is effectively, at least in some ways, the the, the literal method that you're using to do the readings as a medium and, and those sorts or to tap in is well, I, I don't I do I don't require meditation to tap in okay but I do require of myself to be in a space where I'm calm and can you know surrender because that's really what it is it's a, it's a surrendering to spirit because they're coming in and using us to some degree to be able to communicate. So like, uh, I know how people pass because I get, you know, the feeling of, oh, here I am in my lungs and I know that they pass from their lungs and, and then I can go in and say, I don't think this is pneumonia. I think this is, you know, and then I might get a big C for cancer. And, you know, so you're giving up part of your body and sometimes I can become very ill especially when if, if they had a disease where they were very ill, they made me feel how they felt when they were going through the process, which is great evidence for the, my clients. Cause they'll go, yes, you know, we, it's mental mediumship that I'm doing for my clients or, or also called evidential mediumship. And that's where we're giving information so that you know, your loved one is here sharing memories and maybe describing them what they did for a living maybe getting names are not so important as i think the information coming through and then delivering a message from them
referred to certain people as mediums. So is, is this something that's kind of an innate trait that pe certain people are born with? Or is this something that can be trained to anyone? Or, or how does the capacity to do this work? I, I think it's, I always compare it to baseball. You know, you have, you have, uh, and I'm horrible at sports here, so I'll have to do, <laughs> oh, who's a baseball player? Maybe I'll do basketball. Michael Jordan keeps coming. There we go. Yeah. You know, it, it, maybe he came into this world with certain skills and he had to then work on those skills. And then you have other people in baseball or any type of sports who have, maybe you have somebody who really wants to be a, you know, famous baseball player. They could probably spend the rest of their lives trying to do that, but they may not reach that level, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I was born this way. I'm not 100% sure if all mediums are born. Some people say that. You know, some people may have been born as a medium, ran away from it, and then they start having some profound experiences and realize Oh my God, you know, I, I had some things going on when I was younger, ran away from it or didn't want to acknowledge it. Um, the mediums that I see that want to be a medium and then train to be a medium, it's different. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I will say too, when a medium meets a medium, whether they know it or not, you know it. Hmm. I'll tell people you're, Oh, by the way, did you know you're a medium? Hmm. <laughs> There's just that sense that, that you have about, other people who have abilities. Mm. So I guess, you know, for yourself, and I'm not trying to like literally pin you to what's the very earliest, but what's one of the earlier memories you had, maybe even as a child, where you had one of these experiences before you had done all this training and that kind of stuff? Like what indicated to you early on that this was present in your life? Well, I knew I was seeing people that weren't there. Mm. I knew I could smell things that weren't there. I knew, you know, there's a, there's an energy about mm. spirit when spirit comes in. And normally when I'm doing a reading, I'll, and I haven't been doing a lot of face-to-face -face readings with COVID, but when I used to do the face-to-face, -face, you'd see me peeling off clothes <laughs> as, <laughs> as spirit came in because they're at a, it's a different kind of vibration and it affects me in a way where I get really hot when mm. spirit's there. So sometimes you'll see me sweating and you'll see some other mediums. I've observed some of the ones who are on television. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen Tyler Henry. Mm -mm. He used to have a show, very talented young medium. He's, he's not doing a show anymore, I don't think. But he started doing mediumship for like Hollywood stars and stuff when he was 16. And he had a show. And when he would start doing the reading, he'd just be pouring sweat. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, he'd just be perspiring. But those are some of the things, you know, um, when you're doing sessions, you you feel a different energy around you. you for me, I'm using all of my senses and including my sixth sense. And yeah, I had a lot of experiences when I was younger with spirit. Gotcha. So, so it's not really, it's not like, you know, you had a dream and then. I do. Back. I have had dreams. I've had dreams where spirit comes to me and dreams. And I still have dreams where spirit comes to me. Um, I've asked spirit not to use my quiet time for their purposes. And they cross those boundaries all the time. <laughs> and sometimes I will dream something and I'm like, oh, this isn't for me. And I'll write it down. And I'll normally have, you know, 
you know, six, eight sessions a day, and I have to figure out who's for what. They also come when I'm quietly doing dishes or when I'm in the shower. The showers, when I'm quiet, when I'm meditating and I'm quiet, they bombard me in the shower. That seems to be, uh, it, at least in the past year, I've really noticed that they're coming in and and giving me all kinds of messages when I'm in the shower. It's, it's good, but I'm like, can I have some quiet time? Right. And with my dreams, I'm like, just stay out of my dreams, okay? Let me, <laughs> let me have that dream time for myself. Well, and, and I really positioned what I was trying to say poorly, because really what I meant was it wasn't like a singular experience or, or okay. a handful of experiences. It's really just throughout your whole life you're seeing this constant experiences. You know, uh, I write about it. I have a blog and I've been sharing some of my stories when I was young of, of what I experienced because in in all the podcasts and all the, you know, shows that I'm on and stuff and in the writing that I do is to try to help make this more normal for people. Mm -hmm. And when people are having these experiences that they can read and say, Oh, I'm not crazy. Other people have had these experiences because it's, you know, it can be frightening and, uh, and people, you know, think it's weird. And <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'll just be, you know, perfectly candid. I, I'm someone that was always very, very skeptical of anything that I, I, the way I've been explaining it is anything that I wasn't familiar with as a child, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where, where I drew the boundaries, but either way, when it comes to, to this type of stuff, I was always very skeptical. And then I, I have a close friend now, though, that I've had for several years. And that friend talks about seeing auras around, not just yeah. around friends, but around all sorts of literally everyone that, that we encounter. Yeah. Um, that friend talks about a, a lot of the same kind of ideas that, that you and I are discussing. And while I still, you know, I still don't see an aura when I see people. That's okay. I, I don't think that my friend is lying. And I don't think that they're trying to impress me, right? Like, I don't think they have any ulterior motive to be making it up, basically. Right. So, and I, and I respect them and I respect their intelligence. So I just had to kind of concede that maybe there are things that <laughs> I know, mind-blowing for everyone, that I don't understand. Um, <laughs> and that, That's very true. I think that when we go to school, you know, we're taught, the three R's reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? Mm -hmm. Very concrete things. We as a society in America are trained to be left brain thinkers, to analyze, to feel, touch, and hold. When you get into the intuitive part, you're in the right brain. You know, you're where the artists are, where they're painting and creating music and stuff like that. Um, I just don't think that we value the intuition. But even as I say that, I look at some of the business moguls. And if you look at Stephen Jobs and how he made his decisions, very intuitive how mm -hmm. he made them. So I think we value that part of intuition. Um, I think religion plays a huge part in why we don't accept mediumship and we don't accept you know psychic and intuition and i think for me that's sad it's out there and i mean mediumship is out there and it's not of the devil and you're not being possessed and it's not i i just don't get all that stuff and i was raised very religious 
but it never resonated with me because I knew I was experiencing people who had crossed over. Mm-hmm. So for me, there had to be more to it than some book telling me that, you know, Beelzebub is here and taking over. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that you're absolutely correct that that is a, a stigma. And that, that's why I mentioned where I'm from, you know, Springfield, Missouri is the Bible Belt, right? So it is yeah. one of the most um, religious. No, I lived, in, I lived in Texas. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, same difference. Yeah, you don't, you don't get more, <laughs> more Bible Belt than, than Texas. Yeah, they, right. they're, they're a tough crowd there. Right, right. But I think you're right. I think there's there are a lot of misconceptions that it means that there's some evil to it. And and the reason that I'm so interested in, in, you know, having someone like yourself to come talk about it is that in the end, everyone I've met that talks about this is just trying to help people, right? There's no, there's, there's, there's no evil side to it. I mean, I, I guess if someone pays for a service and they didn't get what they wanted out of it, arguably they're dissatisfied with that, but that happens all the time and all sorts of things. And, and that doesn't invalidate the subject itself, right? Just because one person's experience didn't match their expectations or, or right. what these may be. I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. So, you know, another, another thing that, that we've mentioned a little bit here and that I talked about at the very beginning of the show that I had someone else on who talked about this before, but, and that's the idea of, of Reiki. Can you explain from your own perspective what that Oh, yeah. So I was attuned to Reiki in the 90s and have been practicing it uh, ever since. Reiki is just the life force energy. And what I like to liken it to is Star Wars and the Force. Mm -hmm. So if you saw the movie Star Wars and they talk about the Force, that's what I think Reiki is. And what it is is a channel of healing that Dr. Yusui found in the 1800s and then, you know, created a a school for it. And then the history of it goes from there, from him. But it just is basically as a, as a Reiki master and Reiki master teacher, when I have clients, I'm channeling Reiki, the life force energy into somebody else. It's kind of like laying hands, Mm -hmm. you know, only we don't, typically physically touch because our society is so litigious now about, you know, laying hands, but um, hovering your hands over somebody and bringing that life force energy. You're just, again, like a medium, you're the vessel for it. You've been attuned to it Mm. and everybody needs to be attuned to that channel. It's kind of like an FM radio tuning into 101.9. So Mm -hmm. once you're attuned to it, you're attuned to it for the rest of your life. And you can also send uh, Reiki distantly. And what I love about Reiki, it's readily accepted and well studied in the medical profession. So if you look at Johns Hopkins there's been a, a lot of information written about Reiki and the healing power of Reiki. And actually, you know, in some of the studies, how things have reversed themselves in utero. They had, a, I think, a form of cancer in a baby that was actually reversed in utero using Reiki that was documented. Wow. By doctors, by scientists. <laughs> right, yeah, by the, by the people that everyone believes. There's, there's something to it. And again, for me... It's almost like, uh, you know, when somebody says, hey, so-and-so's sick, everyone prayers. Everyone send prayers. 
That is the collective consciousness. That is all of us putting our focus and our energy on one person for healing. And I think that collective consciousness then sends all that energy and all that healing to that person. And and that's been well studied. Prayer has been very well studied. There's something to it. Society can't explain it. There's something to this. Yeah, no, that's something in a a separate conversation I had that I, I tried to relate some of this to was... You know, because again, prayer obviously very, very common, especially at least in in the Christian practices. Yes. Um, and, and it's something that no one would ever balk at, yet believe in this non tangible effect of right. But then would turn around and see something like Reiki and be like, "Well, that sounds a little," you know, "I'm not sure if I trust that or not." And it's like, is it that different? To your point, is it that different from the idea of praying? I mean, maybe there's not a deity involved in the same way, but. At its core, the fundamental, a person is thinking something and hoping to change an outcome via their thought, right? And that's yeah. a widely accepted thing that is not tied to the devil or <laughs> anything nefarious at all. Well, I think, you know, my own personal belief is is um, when you have organized religion, you typically have one person at the top or you have a group of people at the top. And for them to stay in control and Mm -hmm. keep everybody else in control. I mean, I think that's how you do it. If you look at and you study some of the the Gnostic books of the Bible, the ones by Mary, and I think Judas wrote some, you know, Mary said, you don't need a middle guy (laughs) to go to the big guy. Right. And you do this through, through your own prayer and your own ceremonies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, but I don't think that bode well for the priests. <laughs> I don't think they right. appreciated having, you know, there's a, if you look at the Vatican, it's the richest state in the world, right? Mm-hmm. With tons of secrets in the basement and stuff. So I think money has an awful lot to do with uh, religion and, and taking away that, that, that part of it. Yeah, well, and I think it's a, a great point that you bring up about the idea of organized, you know, religion because the, there is a separation there between the institution of religion, whatever that faith might be, and then what it is to people personally. Yes. Um, because everyone I know that that is that is a well, I'll just use Christianity again since I've already used that word. Everyone I know that's a Christian that that, that really truly is invested in that. It, it's not this dogmatic you know prescribed thing it's it's very personal to them you know they have worked out the kinks if you will on their own and yeah they might go to church and yeah they might have someone who is kind of their thought leader and their pastor or their preacher or whatever the case may be but ultimately they have that one-on-one relationship that you're talking about right with god or you know what they believe in um and and so i just think that it's I, I just think there are so many more parallels because that's what we're talking about with all of these other things is this very intimate relationship. It's not a prescribed thing. That's just a set of instructions that were written a hundred years ago. And that's all there is to it. Thousands of years ago. Yeah. There's empathy involved. There's, 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 there's connection. There's personal connection involved and, and all of that matters.
one other thing I, 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 I wanted to ask you about is, is, is the, the idea of astrology because, and again, I'll just speak from my own understanding. You know, I, I'm familiar with astrology as far as the, the Sunday horoscopes when I was a kid. And I'm, right. Yeah. I say in the paper, I don't think papers exist anymore that way, but they're all online now. <laughs> okay. Um, but so what is, what is that practice look like? And, and what is it beyond just the horoscope that maybe we're reading in the Sunday paper or online if it is? <laughs> so I do write horoscopes and they're monthly mm-hmm. horoscopes for each sign. And I'm looking at what's out there for what the planets are doing and how it will affect the various signs, but it's not your specific. It, it may apply to you to some degree, mm. but it's not your specific. When you actually have your birth chart done, it is what I call, it's your blueprint. It's your blueprint for the karma, karma meaning action. People, I don't think really understand karma. It's not a bad thing. Karma means action about what you will experience in this lifetime, what you came in to do. Does it mean you're going to do it? No, you may choose not to, but it, again, it gets into that soul purpose and life purpose. What did I come here to do? And that to me is really where astrology comes in and beyond that. So once you have your chart done, you have a good understanding of yourself and maybe your soul purpose, then you can do some forecasting. You know, like uh, I forecasted out in February, we had a a planetary alignment in Aquarius that really is changing things dramatically. Um, We have a lot of these planets that have been in more masculine planets. Now we've got them in watery uh, Aquarius, which really is the water bearer and pours new life and fresh life into all of these planets like um, Saturn that has been (laughs) wreaking some havoc, you know, Saturn being the Lord of karma. Mm. Um, So, so in astrology, I think it's very useful. I do a lot of uh, forecasting out for people of the karma that they may experience in the next year or the next three months. And it kind of gives them an indication what months might be tougher months. If you're going to buy a house, when would be a good time to buy a house? If you're going to start a new job, if you're going to start a business, you can look at astrology and the planets and what's going on for you to see when may be the best time for you to do this. I'll use India as an example. So when I went to India, that was a few years ago, and I had done my astrology that December, being there the month of December, would be the best time to go. I was supposed to go in October. And as it turns out, December 1st, I left on a plan to go to India. Not one thing went wrong on that trip. Hmm. I never got sick. So here I am, an American in India. And, you know, you typically deal with a lot of illness there. And I actually ended up even drinking the water during a ceremony, Hmm. which you're not supposed to do. Never got sick, never had an issue. Like the whole trip was just incredible. A month there, just the most beautiful experience ever. And that was you know, a lot to do with astrology, that that would be the month to spend in Mm. India. Okay. So another thing that we haven't actually 
talked about it all, but I, I'm just curious if it, if it's all tied to the same thing that we're talking about. But is acupuncture in the same realm of the stuff that we're talking about with, with shifting energy around in the body? Or is that a separate idea? No, entirely? I, I would think that that would be. And in fact, I've, I've suggested to clients to go and have acupuncture and acupressure. Um, if you look at, I'll take yoga because that's kind of my background. We have, um, you know, these energy lines. In yoga, we call these the nadis. And in um, acupuncture, we call these meridians. So if you have your chi, your life force energy blocked somehow, um, that in uh, acupuncture, they can use needles and stuff to help open these up, to help with dis-ease, to mm-hmm. you know, ease our pain or, or whatever is going on, even emotionally. Right. So it definitely, for me, with yoga, so I'm a 500-hour um, yoga teacher and uh, have been practicing for years and years. When people are having issues in the body, I always suggest yoga, not just for you know, moving your body, but also it moves energy. Mm. So moving your energy every day, we have to move our energy every day, whether it's taking a walk or doing Tai Chi or doing yoga, just, you know, how are you moving your energy? How are you shifting yourself? Especially in this past year with COVID. And I know I haven't been great. Like there's been times it's, it's been depressing staying home. It, it uh-huh. hasn't been fun not seeing your friends and stuff. So it's even more important. Right. Yeah. So this is unrelated kind of, um, but I think I can land the plane, if you will. So <laughs> I was talking to a guy a, a few weeks ago, and he he has spent a lot of his time researching and, and trying to, to work with, with this idea called scalar energy, um, which is basically energy from from the sun or from, from stars that is an alternative to electromagnetism. Um, I'll actually stop where I was going. Cause you're the listeners can't see, but you're smiling. Is this something that that's familiar to you already? So it probably is. I don't know the term that you okay. just use, but I'm about to write my blog specifically about the sun's energy and the effect on rocks and crystals on the earth. Mm. And these places where we have vortexes and and why there may be vortexes. If you look at Stonehenge, which I've had the privilege of being there, but looking at Stonehenge, you know, why was it built and stuff? So it it sounds like it might be along the same, the solar winds. Are you talking gotcha. about the solar winds and the effect on the, the electromagnetic field of the earth? N- no, he was actually... Okay positing that it's it's a it's an alternative energy source to electromagnetism as, as we know it today um according to him all sorts of implications that would revolutionize humanity in, in, in a variety of ways and my point isn't really to to, to go into the nuance of, of that conversation as much as it's to say that I, I was talking to some other friends about it and and scalar energy when covid first hit there was there was some some controversy in the media about someone had had sold scalar energy as a way to, to cure COVID and, and, you know, it didn't work. And so there was this, there's this stigma now, right? (laughs) Just like with everything else, there's a stigma now that, Oh, if you're talking about scalar energy, then you're peddling snake oil. But when I had this guy on my podcast and I was talking to him, he, you know, he's not a snake oil peddler. At least that doesn't seem to be where he's coming from. 
just like everyone else I'm talking to, he he's trying to help people, right? Like that's ultimately his goal. And so even if what he's talking about is unfamiliar, the point I made to my friend that, that was kind of critiquing it was that scalar energy is a, a new idea for me. I hadn't heard of that. But in the end, it, what, it, what it sounds like he's trying to do really reminds me of Reiki, uh, acupuncture, the intuitive work you're talking about, the medium work you're talking about, which really is all that there is some, and again, this is all my explanation, so <laughs> forgive it, but it's it's like there's some energy, I don't know if it's a field or if it's just within us all, so a field maybe not isn't the right word, but there's some energy that is intangible to some people and, ta- and, and visible or tangible to others, and the people who can access it are pretty consistently trying to utilize that to help other people. But it seems like we're, we're, we're talking, and I mean, you said this at the very beginning that it's all related. It feels like we're just looking at different angles of the same thing. Does that make sense at all what I, where I'm going with that? Or is that just totally rambly? <laughs> no, I, I think that we're talking about alternative methods of healing. Mm-hmm. Alternative methods of um I don't know what else I would use aside from yeah. healing. And I think it's poo-pooed because it's not, you can't see it, feel it, and touch it. You can't see, feel, and touch. Maybe you can feel Reiki. See, feel, and touch Reiki. You don't see like the beam of light that comes down and can observe it. Right. But you see maybe the positive effects that it has afterwards. Right. Right. I think, and I'll talk about the United States, because if you look at India, if you look at Asia, they're much more open to Mm -hmm. all of this. Like they're raised with, if you look at India, they're raised, the moment a child is born, their astrology chart is done to see what kind of karma they brought in and what they're going to deal with. In the Mm -hmm. United States, we don't have that. You don't see people running to their astrologer to have their charts done. I just think that we are far more left brain and a lot of the rest of the world is a lot more right brain and they're much more open to alternative ways of healing and tapping in. And what are we supposed to be doing in this lifetime? Like what's our soul's purpose? Why are we here and what are we supposed to be doing? How many people just walk around working from nine to five, earning a paycheck raising their kids and, and struggling. And is that what life is supposed to be? Or is it supposed to be something more? Are we supposed to, you know, discover our purpose and then really tap in and, and become that pure consciousness? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I appreciate that, 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 that response. And um I don't know. Like I said, for me, I think it's it, it's interesting just because it's something that, like I described earlier, for a long time, I wouldn't even consider it. And then in the last few years, and then especially in this last year, I've, I've just met a variety of individuals that, um, again, even if I don't have their shared experiences, I can't just I can't just be dismissive. You know what I mean? And that's really what I why I like having these conversations, because I want to encourage other people to not explore. just be dismissive. Right. Yeah, exactly. to, to explore. And, you know, with Reiki, too. I'm not dismissing Western medicine. There's a place for it. I absolutely, it's not, let's all, you know, Reiki has its place. It has, it's definite, it can help with anxiety. 
I work or before COVID worked with a lot of um, people who were dealing with cancer. It's, it's very effective in helping them go through chemotherapy and some of the treatments and stuff. So it, it has its place and it's been studied, but Western medicine still has its place. It's not like we're trying to replace. I think we're just trying to enhance yeah, well, I think the I think you know I don't know if this is uniquely American also, but the problem that we find ourselves in and as a society, as a culture, often is that we want everything to be binary. So it's yeah. Western medicine is perfect, and it right. can never be questioned, and you're a devil worshiper if you question it. Right. Or Reiki is absolutely bogus, and it could never heal anyone. It's like no, like there's just there's a there's nuance to it all. There's gray area to it all. There's more than that to it. Reiki is probably not the easiest way to heal a broken bone, right? Probably getting a splint probably is a faster route. Maybe Reiki. But Reiki might help with the pain. Right. So you get your legs set and then maybe you go and have Reiki. It might help accelerate the healing and it definitely will help with the pain. There's other forms of healing too that a lot of mediums will use. Um, and I use trans healing too. So it's a, another form of healing that actually comes through spirit. Mm. That's a different form than Reiki. And sometimes that can be very effective, especially with pain. Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah, the, the broken bone example, I, I was just trying to pick something simple that, that people can, can visualize quickly. But the point just being that there's space for both, right? Like you just said, maybe one helps with the more for lack of a better term, mechanical or literal physical component of it. And then another helps with the pain side of it, which is much more of a subjective experience, right? People have different tolerances and thresholds and experiences when it comes yeah. to pain. So, um, so if someone, you know, someone's listening and, and they're interested in, in connecting with you again, you know, mediumannielarson.com is the website, but what does it look like for someone to work with you? Is, is, is there an introductory session? Is it typically one session? Is it typically several sessions like how does it play out for people if they they wanted to work with you i always tell people to follow their intuition you know (laughs) i have sessions out there i i definitely offer astrology and reiki and past life regression is another one and then doing uh mediumship and or psychic intuitive type sessions and i i do always tell people to follow your intuition what are you what are you drawn to most people who pick me as their medium, um, say something resonated there and Mm. I picked you. And, and I do believe that people that, that if, if, if I resonate with them, I'm probably the right person to help them. Mm. So that intuitive part that we all have, use your intuition and see if it's right for you. Somebody else might be right for you. And that's, that's perfectly fine. As long as you're getting, you know, the help that you need. Um, But uh, in picking the sessions, I don't have, it's not like you'll have four Reiki sessions and you'll be perfect. Normally somebody will start with a Reiki session, see how they feel. And then they may come back in two weeks. They may come back, you know, once a year, they may do like little Reiki (laughs) tune-ups, you know, it's really up to the person and how they're feeling. And the same thing with readings too. I tell people, you know, I, I'm always encouraging people to tap into their own intuition and what's right for you. Because I do believe when we have a reading that we already know what's going on. We just need somebody to confirm it. 
Mm. So, and I know I get readings and most of the time I'm just looking for confirmation. Am I on the right track? Am I doing this? You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. Well, Annie, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all of your thoughts and insights here on, on these different topics. Um, before we, we wrap up, was there anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to speak to? I don't mean to, to, to railroad you at all. No, I think, I think we covered a really broad spectrum of uh, different topics to talk about, but they're all interrelated. Awesome. Well, again, the website is mediumannielarson.com. Again, we'll have that link in the show notes. So people can click directly on it. Anywhere else that you'd like people to, to find you or check you out at? No, just, just everything's through my website. Little yeah. old me. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, Annie, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming by this evening. Thank you, Walker.
side Show the teeth and the baggage in tow On the wheels of staying shrine Burning planks of a bridge giving way Tear the fabric of time Gravity squeeze released in a way Sail and breach the other side folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much to annie larson for stopping by thank you of course to misha zarens for the music and last but not least thank you listener for listening i'd also like to invite you to listen to my other podcast pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by me and brett lindley pick up your sticks is a podcast about video games where we talk about why gaming matters you can find pick up your sticks on any podcast platform thanks so much again for listening have a great week stay up <laughs>